Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about becoming a production manager from a non-construction background with the help of special guest Brad Yetman of Anthony Wilder Design Build in Cabin John, Maryland. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hello everyone, I'm Tim Fowler and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. I've been saying this on all the podcasts recently, and and that is that one of my biggest challenges is continuing to find topics and guests for the podcast that are interesting to me and to everybody uh, that listens. So if you have some ideas that you'd like to see uh, talked about on the podcast, shoot me an email at tim at remodelersadvantage.com. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do the best we can to find some interesting guests that can uh, help us uh, bring those topics to light. So today, uh, we're talking about becoming a pro- production manager from a non-construction uh, background. And over the summer, I did a survey of all the members of Remodelers Advantage. And the survey was focused around project managers, which is a little different than the production manager. But one of the things that was interesting to me when we got the results in was that many of the companies that actually hired project managers within the last couple of years found them outside of the remodeling world. Now, some of them came from new construction, uh, but there were a number, and not a huge number, but there was a number that had come into our business from outside of our business. And that was kind of intriguing to me because I've always thought it would work. I always thought it would be a good way to go. Uh, it doesn't always work, uh, but it does in many cases. So this podcast is not about project managers, but about being a production manager, a little bit different uh, designation within a company. And my experience has been that a lot of companies have tried to take their best lead carpenter and turn them into a production manager. And we did have one guest on early on, Ray Hornsby, that was a lead carpenter when I was a production manager. He became the production manager and did it very, very effectively and even went on to uh, own the company. And so he now owns Hopkins and Porter in Potomac, Maryland. And so in that case, it worked very well. In my case, I was moved from a lead carpenter to a production manager and it worked pretty well. I know what my shortcomings are and 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 it worked pretty well for a number of years. But I believe that in most cases it doesn't work. There's different skills for a lead carpenter than for a production manager. And so most of it has to do with the difference between running a job and managing a department, if you will, or managing the people. And it's much more uh, complex to do that. So the next best thing to advancing a project manager or a lead carpenter is to start looking at somebody outside the business. And so it's pretty exciting today that we're going to be able to talk to somebody 
that came into the business from a non-construction background. And again, we'll talk with him about where he came from and those kinds of things. And, and we'll try to talk a little bit more about what, what does a company need to do to make sure that something like this works? Because I'll guarantee you, you hire somebody from outside the business and you just drop it in their lap. And the chances of success are slim. But if some good work goes into it, then it can really work. Yeah, Tim, this is going to be really fascinating because I think that so many people follow a certain path. And we've talked about the skills gap at length. And uh, we look at certain people following a certain path who have a certain, uh, you know, their father did a certain thing. And that's really how they're finding their way into the business. But, you know, this is a call to everyone in all different, uh, you know, areas of, of uh, work. And, um, you know, for me, it was, you know, my dad was a financial planner, but, you know, it just I was naturally inclined to you know, get into construction. So I found my way there, but, you know, I think this is really important. So I'm looking forward to uh, talking about Brad. What was your, you know, before we get into it, what was your kind of channel into construction? Uh, basically I've worked with my dad on, my dad was a professor at the university of Maryland in meteorology mm. and, uh, but he did home projects mm -hmm. and I kind of fell into the home project thing and then when uh, another job I was doing wasn't working as well as I thought it would, it was like, what can I do? I mean, I got a degree in agriculture and yeah. dairy genetics, you know, like, what am I going to do? So I became a carpenter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's so many people out there who may be in a, in a path that just doesn't feel right. And so, you know, there are ways to uh, discover other fields. So uh, Brad Yetman is the vice president of construction as well as part owner at Anthony Wilder Design Build in Cabin John, Maryland. Brad is responsible for overseeing the production department, which will have produced approximately $14 million in the last fiscal year. Brad has developed a financially focused approach to production management with an emphasis on knowing the numbers both in the field and in the office, an approach which fits well with the company's open book policy. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thank you very much, guys. Happy to be here. So just in case uh, listeners don't remember, Brad was on some of our very early podcasts talking about mini games and how to motivate people within your company, which is a big part of what they do with their open book management. But we want to hit a different a different experience for Brad. So just kind of give us an idea about what you were doing. What was your life like before you joined Anthony Wilder? Sure. Um and again, thanks a lot for having me on again. I, I really enjoy doing these podcasts, and I think they're fantastic. So kudos to you guys. Thank you. They're, they're great. Um, before I joined up with Anthony Wilder, um, and in the, the topic of this obviously is how to become a production manager with um, certainly a limited uh, background in carpentry and in construction. Um, like you, Tim, I was always a tinkerer in the house, and I grew up. I grew up in a house where there weren't a lot of people that could do physical things. Um, and for some reason I was always the only one that could do that. Um, my father was a developer. Um, so he developed commercial projects in Boston and, um, I would spend a lot of time out on the job sites with him. Um, but it was, it was the job site aspect of it. That was always what I was fascinated with. Um, and then, you know, going back to my dad's office and, cranking out numbers with them um, <laughs> all day long was just not 
what I want to do. I want to go out there and hang out with the guys that were, you know, banging, banging away. So, um, I think from a very early age, I was into the construction part of it. So I always had that desire. Um, but my father is a very influential person, uh, especially on my life. So, um, he didn't want, uh, you know, he wanted me to be more focused on the, on the business end of it and, and focusing on the numbers. So, um, it was always somewhat of a, a dichotomy for me where I, I wanted to have that physical connection with the work, um, that was taking place, but I was always more steered towards the financial connection and, and the business aspect of it. So, um, you know, my career up until Anthony Wilder really was in the commercial real estate, uh, commercial development side of the business. So, um, I worked for a couple, uh, developers, both in Boston, um, where I'm from. And, um, and then I moved to, to, uh, the DC area and worked for a commercial developer there as well. Um, when the market took a hit, uh, Back in in 07, uh, in 08, when when things started falling apart, you know the writing was on the wall. Um, I decided I was going to go back to school and get a my master's degree at Georgetown. And um, when I decided to do that, I, I met up with a guy um, that represented private uh, a, a private equity fund that he basically tears houses down, rebuilds them or remodels houses and then sells them. Um, so it's a, it's kind of flipping, but on like a grander scale. And I was looking for work. Um, you know, I was, I was going to school looking for a way to help pay the bills. And, uh, I got linked up with him and I worked with him for four years, uh, out on the job sites. We built 11 houses together, um, built and remodeled but they were deep, deep energy retrofit, complete guts. And um, so I worked with him for four years and that's where I got the bulk of my hands-on experience out in the field. Um, but even still coming into, you know, into an industry like this where you have lead carpenters who have done this for 30, 40 years, right. me with a four year experience on a job site is nothing. So um, did you actually, so did, you actually did you actually finish your degree at Georgetown then? Yeah. Okay. So yep. what was it like, what was it about Anthony Wilder or were you just like, okay, I'm out of school now. I have to get a real job kind of thing. What, what was it that, that drew you towards that company and maybe that position? Um, what drew me there and it, it's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting story. My brother is a uh, creative director for an advertising firm. And I remember going out to San Francisco one time and, and going to his office and thinking, this is just the coolest place I've ever been. There's dogs running around. Everybody's, you know, <laughs> acting like they're family and best friends. They're going out and having a fun time together. And, um, I had known about Anthony Wilder and I was, I was looking for a job because, um, the, the, we were finishing up our last project with uh, that private equity investment that we were doing. And, um, and so I knew I had to start looking for something and, and like everything, it's your connections that you have. And there is a, there's a person that I race sailboats with who knows the wilders and they had put the word out that they were looking for somebody. And so I went in and, and, and learned about the position 
which at first to me was a little overwhelming because, you know, meeting with Liz and Anthony, um, they were basically telling me that I was going to be taking over the entire, you know, the, the entire construction portion of the company. And, you know, there were 20 something people that would be reporting to me. Um, and that's a big, that's a big move, but I was excited about it. Uh, the second I got in there and I saw the environment in the office, it was exactly what I was you know, envious of with my brother in, in San Francisco. So it just all, you know, it, it all came together in, um, an extensive interviewing process where everybody in production that I was going to be managing, uh, interviewed <laughs> me. So it, it became a, a unanimous decision, um, and it had to be a unanimous decision to hire me for this role because it meant a lot to the company to do that. So you've been with them since 2007, is that right? Uh, 2011. 2011, so okay. I'm in, my, I'm in my eighth year now. Okay, so just kind of, you say it's a bit overwhelming, you, you're, you're looking at this, all you've, and I'll say it kind of, uh, glibly, all you've really done has been a helper carpenter on a job site. And, and all of a sudden you're being said, you're going to run this entire department. How long do you think it took you to really get a handle on it, to really feel like you were competently doing your job? I, I think it took me a good it, it took me about six months to figure out what I needed to focus on. Um, and then it took me another six months to, to kind of get it under my belt um, and, and understand what was important. Um, you know, the role of a, of a production manager, you know, and, and I think this is why Liz and Anthony had such a, 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 an incredible insight in hiring me because I think most people would disqualify me right off the bat as <laughs> being someone that could, that could effectively, you know, manage a construction department. Um, but it's not about managing the construction, right? It's about managing the people and it's about managing the money and the finances and the money and the finances. Those were things that I've done my whole life. My whole professional career has been involved in the financial uh, side of construction and of real estate. Um, my degree from Georgetown was in, you know, real estate finance, um, and construction management. Uh, but everything that I'd done up until that point was heavily financially backed. And I think they saw that as we're hiring somebody to really run this business and running a production department is really running a business. Um, in terms of the decisions that you make and, and it's not running a job site. You have people to run your job sites and then you have people to manage the people running the job sites. <laughs> and then you have a production manager that makes sure that the whole ship is going in the right direction. Okay. So I, I really appreciate that because I do think that is one of the mistakes that companies make when they're hiring for this position is they're trying to find somebody who can tell their carpenters how big the beam ought to be rather than somebody who understands why we're making money or why we're losing money or even that, that that's going on, like what's going on with the money. So I think that's a, uh, an incredibly good uh, insight there. So I'm just wondering, like, what did the company do to get you up to speed? Or 
you know, in my case, I've shared there's a couple of different times with people. I was made production manager, and at least the way I remember it, I was kind of given an office and a desk and a computer, which back then I hadn't really ever used a computer before, and was said, boy, we're glad you're here. We think you're going to be a great team member, but I didn't really get a lot of training. So maybe even in your case, it's like it would have helped if they had done this for me to get me going and up to speed. So what they did and maybe what they might have done a little bit better to get you to the point where you could really make this work. So my experience was not, I don't think it was ideal. Um, And when I was hired, uh, you know, Liz has been, Liz and Anthony have been a, a, a huge part of my growth in um, becoming a, a, a production manager and, and an effective production manager. But that the majority of that help came a little bit later on. I think there was a period where they were just going to throw me in and see if I could, you know, sink or swim. And so that approach I don't think would be great for onboarding other people. Um, and it was, it was challenging for me. I learned through making mistakes. And if you guys know Liz, she will tell you the first instant <laughs> when you're making a mistake. And so I made mistakes, heard about it, um, and then I, I corrected it. And when I got started, there was some turmoil at one of the projects, and and one of the project managers walked off the job. And so I was out there managing that project, and it was a good I think it was a good segue, and I know we talk a lot about the the the, PM, the production managers not running a project, but I think at that time when I was so new and the position was new, and I'm not quite sure they knew what was gonna what was expected of me, and and I didn't really know how well I could perform in this role. I think having a little a little blanket, which was a an active job that I could be at, um, it helped, and it helped when I came in and would come into the office and I would take those things in and then start going through the, the, the paperwork, the admin side of it. And then very soon I realized that that's not where my focus needed to be because I started to know where the, I started to recognize where the cracks in the system were. Um, and so I got, you know, out of that project management role and started focusing on, on the business and run and and running the construction department, which is, which is what it's about. And it's about, um, you know, getting the support to the guys that they need. It's about solid packages to the field. It's about, you know, good estimates that, that match up with scopes of work. It's about a good sales to design handoff. It's about a good sales meeting with the client. And, and you find that you're involved as a production manager in all of those. So, um, so would you say that... Sales- so would you say that um, if a company was going to hire someone, even if they were a skilled carpenter, uh, that some kind of really clear training process would be uh, really paramount to making it a successful onboarding process? I think the most important thing when you're a production manager that, that needs to be made crystal clear to you, which, which I, tried to, I had to kind of figure it out, and you know me, Tim, you've known me for a long time. I'm very focused on, on the numbers, on gross profit per month and the velocity of the money. Um, 
I think if, if I had been told, here is your number, this is what you need to create. And this is what, this is what the company requires gross profit wise, net profit wise. These are your goals. Um, I think having that information as, you know, crystal clear as it can be made that this is, this is your, this is yours, the number, this number you are responsible for. I think that would have changed and, and, and gotten me certainly more focused on that. You know, we're talking probably a year or two before I really sunk into it. Um, and I think that's the important thing because it's, if people coming into production management and, and you've heard me say this a million times, you need to know the numbers. You need to know what the company needs to make. You need to know what your owners are expecting to make. And then you need to figure out how the projects need to get sold to make that amount of money, how they need to get developed to make that amount of money, how you need to produce them to make that amount of money. And that's it. That's the, that's the goal. Yeah. I had that very similar experience when I became a production manager that, um, for about a year, maybe even a couple of years, I actually thought we were charging too much money. Uh, and so, you know, writing up a change order was hard to do because we were already charging these people too much money. And then finally, the bosses sat down with me one year and said, look, Tim, look, look at what our net profit was this year. And I think it was about 1%. And I went like, oh, we're not charging too much. In fact, we're not charging enough. And it changed my whole view of how I managed and how I tried to get things done and why is gross profit so critical and all those kinds of things. So it it's a really critical thing to have out in front of somebody. And one of the challenges of bringing anybody in is that if they're a carpenter, they probably don't understand that stuff. Even a good project manager may not know it from a company-wide view of the world. And even I'm guessing, and you can comment about this, Brad, but is is the is the view a little bit different in a remodeling project than it is in commercial real estate or some other small business? Is there is there a little bit different? So if someone comes in from commercial real estate, we would assume they know the numbers, but maybe they don't or maybe they wouldn't. It's a different animal altogether. Um you know, the numbers are there. The numbers are a great backbone, um, you know, that, that you can translate from the commercial side to the residential side, but, um, the commercial side, you're working on such a large project for so many years. And sometimes these projects, you know, they've got, they've got these waterfall payouts depending on when you stabilize the property. And that can be four or five years okay. of just working on a single thing that, and it's this slow burn and you're really focusing on a, on a little part of it. Um, but the, the residential side, it's quick. I mean, it's fast turnover and every single project is a little mini business and you have to treat every project like a little mini business and they all have to be producing um, if something goes wrong, you have very limited amount of time to turn it around financially. Um, so it becomes a much faster paced game and that can be challenging for someone on the commercial side coming into the residential side. I think vice versa, if you go from residential to commercial, you, I think you're going to end up being bored out of your brain, but, <laughs> um, but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, 
So it's, it's different. So, Brad, for the people listening, you know, if they are looking to fill a certain position that they don't think they can find from within the organization, uh, you mentioned being interviewed by a lot of the kind of touched on interviewing with a lot of the uh, current employees at the time is, I mean, how did you bypass any hostility or or bitterness or anything like that? And, and what can you suggest for somebody that's bringing in somebody from the outside aside from how you find that person, but um, bringing somebody in and and getting them into the company is, is how can, you know, what did you do to bypass any of, of issues like that? You know, somebody who didn't well, have the, the same be, track. Yeah, yeah. That's always going to be a, a, a challenge. Um, certainly when you're getting hired and the, the group of people that you're managing uh, across the board are all, 10 to 15 years older than you have experience in the industry that, you know, is far surpasses you. Um, that can be a challenge. That can be a real challenge. Um, the first thing that someone coming into this role from outside that I've, uh, is, is important is, is I remember I was in the interview um, when I had there were like eight or nine of the lead carpenters or carpenters and, and lead carpenters in the room, and they're all sitting around the table looking at me. And I remember telling them that I'm never going to be out there to tell you how to do your job. That's not my position. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make sure that what we do, we're making money and we're going to be successful. And I'm here to support you. And I'm solely dedicated to supporting you in that endeavor. Um, there's going to be things that I'm going to learn. There's going to be things that, you know, we're going to learn together. Um, but my job is to support you guys and not to try to tell you how to, how to remodel a house. Cause that would just be foolish of me. That's great. Um, so I think just being honest with them at the outset went a long way and, um, they were able to see value in what I brought to the table and, that started with bringing the leads in every single week, having the lead carpenter meetings where we go through, I did a whole financial one oh one with them that I think I had like 30 or 40 lessons that we put together where it was all about how to, how to run a company, the financials, how to, how to run a business and looking at where we're losing money, where we're losing time, all these things that all translate directly into construction out in the field, but it's all business stuff. And I think they, they realized that I was bringing a business background to production management and, and it worked, it worked really well. And the other thing about it is I was all, I've always been always open to learning. Right. So, um, I think when we started this conversation now, you know, it was how to become a, a production manager with a very limited background in construction. I'm still am limited compared to them in my background in <laughs> construction, but you know, have learned a tremendous amount, uh, including you know, just uh, not the novice that I used to be. Oh, right, and, right. And the more you learn coming into it, and that's the amazing thing. You bring in that business side, which is which is the hard side to really get a handle on. But if you bring in the business side, you know, you can learn the other stuff. Right. You can learn how to estimate, which I have. You can learn. Uh, you know, you can learn how to put project schedules together. You can learn to, to, to manage these things as if you've had years and years of experience, which if you last at the company, you will have years and years of experience. 
So you had mentioned uh, early on that at least part of the way that you got the job was through some networking uh, and that somebody you knew knew Anthony Wilder. And, and so I'm kind of curious, if I were a business owner, how would could you give me some idea about how I would network to find somebody like you? I mean, I mean, I know in your case, maybe it was just, it wasn't intentional, but maybe we have to be a little more intentional nowadays. And so I'm kind of wondering any, any little tips you could give a business owner that's looking to hire somebody, particularly that has that money business background that really wants that role what what kind of thing would might they do to to get some networking going and finding another Brad? I think the most important thing is to separate. To, you need to separate the idea that this person needs to be a construction aficionado. I'm I'm not. I never was, and I'm never going to be out there on a job site. You know, framing up a house with the guys. I I have. Yeah. Um, but that's not what I'm interested in doing. And that's professionally not my goal. So if you can separate the fact that what you're really looking for is, is somebody who's going to be a cultural fit for the company because everything else you can train for. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. My assistant Aldana, she is being groomed to basically take my place. And she is still in, uh, she's still in college. She had an architectural, she studied in, you know, architecture at university of Maryland. And then about four years ago, I brought her over onto the production side because she said she wanted to be a business owner. And I said, you know, you're not going to ever get there being an architect. So, um, <laughs> if you want to learn how to be a business owner, you got to learn how to run a business. Um, she's learned everything that I know. Uh, she spent time out in the field. She spent a year out in the field. She's learned, she's gotten all the guys trust. Um, she understands the business. She understands the numbers and for her to transition into a production manager role would be about as seamless as it could possibly be. She had no experience, zero. Um, so can, Brad, just one so second. I, think, I just want to make sure our listeners understand it's not okay to call Anthony Wilder design build and try to steal her away, right? <laughs> yeah, that is not okay. <laughs> I just want to make that really clear. <laughs> yeah, because then the company would fall apart. I wouldn't be able to do what I do if she's not there. Right, right. Uh, but, you, but to get kind of more precise in your question, it's important to hire for culture because you can train everything else. And, and for business owners who want to fill this role, you just got to get the word out. You're going to get some of the best referrals you're going to get are from your immediate circle of influence. Start talking about it, put the word out your friends, your neighbors, your, you know, at, at industry events, you know, college kids coming out, you know, can intern with you for a few years and learn the business and be an effective production manager. It's just about having that, the, that the relationship with the guys, if you can manage well, if you can manage people and you can be empathetic to the people that you're trying to manage and, and you can, if you can be an effective manager, you can be an effective production manager. Well, that sounds fantastic. This has been so cool. And uh, you're right. I've, I've always enjoyed 
you know, talking with you. And, and I, I do want to comment, too, that Brad mentioned that he's always been learning. And uh, I remember some of the first times I met him and I was just in awe of Anthony Wilder. And I went like, what is this guy ever going to learn by coming to a group? They, they have such a great company. And from day one, he was going like, tell me what I can do. Tell me what I can do. And I think that's part of the part of the challenge for anybody in this role is coming in saying, I can learn stuff along the way. Yes, I have some skills, but I can learn things as I go through. So as we're wrapping this up, Brad, any last little bit of just uh, information that you might be able to share with the listeners about making this transition? Yeah. Remember, you're, you're, you're managing and you're running a department in the company, not projects. When you're focused on projects, you're not focused on the on the big thing. And I think that's why a lot of carpenters and lead carpenters have a tough time transitioning into this role because you're going from focusing on a single project to focusing on the overall picture. And it's the 30,000 foot view that you need to be focused on, not down in the trenches where it's all the nitty gritty. So focusing on the big picture is paramount. You need to keep the ball moving forward. If you've got a project that's failing and you've got a couple that are doing well, Again, it's the big picture. It's where do all those numbers come together in unity to, to affect the bottom line. Um, the other thing is just keep learning. Talk to your owners. You need to know what the net profit requirement is for the company. You need to know what your expenses are, your overhead. You need to know what your gross profit, the gross profit that you need to produce in production. If you don't know those things, you, you're not going to be able to be an effective production manager. Um, and just remember that everybody in production and everyone in the company is relying on you to make the right decisions for production, um, and never take that lightly, but no pressure there. <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a lot of pressure. Very good. Thanks a lot, Brad. I, got, I really appreciate it. I got gray hair. There you go. <laughs> Brad, once again, we really enjoy having you on the show and thank you. And we'll, certainly have you on the show in the future thanks again i look forward to it guys great take care well tim that was awesome what was what did you really take away from this show oh i i you know there's a lot of stuff about this that i anticipated brad would would share with us um i think one of the big things is the networking i asked about that right at the end and and getting out there business owners trying to get out there and and make that connection with somebody that could really help them as opposed to just like the standard uh, approaches. Um, I, I do think that he and I both had a similar experience in that better training would have really helped us mm -hmm. to, to be better at our jobs. Uh, and so I think that, again, is one of the things that I really emphasize with business owners is if you're going to hire somebody and I don't care where they come from, you need to spend uh, six months or so actively training this person. I think the other thing that I just kind of jotted down as he was talking about was really knowing the financials and, and, and understanding that from day one. I've had business owners tell me things like, oh, my production manager doesn't need to know what our net profit goal is. And I kind of go like, mm. man, 
they're the person who's going to make a decision every single day that will impact that net profit. And if they don't know what the goal is, it's really hard to expect them to hit that goal. So I think all those kinds of things really made it made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, that was really important. And I think, like you said, just an open mindedness around networking, around hiring. Brad said, I wrote down uh, hire for culture, which is huge. And you know, for him focusing on the characteristics of what make a very good production manager aside from that skill set or that path that many people take. So it's about kind of taking off the blinders, really, and, and you know, thinking outside the box with hiring. And, and he just, shined, you know, it was he shined a big light for me on, on, you know, hiring in general. Yeah. And I think the other thing that kind of came across real subtly but I really want to emphasize it is the production manager job is really tough. And I think one of the things that he enjoys at Anthony Wilder is they have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. They do things and, I, and it didn't come out a lot in this podcast, but they do a lot of stuff that's just plain fun. And if you don't do that and you have a production manager that's stressing out, mm-hmm. it's going to be deadly. And so business owners need to think about how do we create a culture where we all enjoy being here. Yes, we have to make X amount of money, but we have some fun getting along and doing it. Yeah. Well, this has been great. And once again, we want to thank Brad Yetman for joining us. And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, we're helping the bottom line through production training. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast-track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.